the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Is KKMS, Richfield, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Jay Secular Live is sponsored by the American Center for Law and Justice. Is your life unsettled, in turmoil? Have you ever wondered why? Here's Adrian Rogers. It is absolutely imperative that you be certain about the Bible. You'll never get much of anything else settled until you get that settled. I'm Chris Fabry, inviting you to join us for Love Worth Finding with Adrian Rogers. Tune in to Love Worth Finding with Dr. Adrian Rogers, weekday afternoons at 1 on AM 980, The Mission. We're in a very important business. To quote Dr. J. Vernon McGee, our business is to get the Word of God out so that he will have something to work with in the hearts of men and women of every language. This is Steve Schwetz for Through the Bible Radio, inviting you to join us for Dr. McGee's studies through the Word of God. And you'll learn about our ministry around the world in over a hundred languages and dialects. Listen to Through the Bible with J. Vernon McGee, weekday mornings at 6 on AM 980, The Mission. Hi, I'm Don Crow. Join me this weekend for The Christian Outlook. We cover everything from the Bible and theology to politics and the persecuted church, all the stuff that matters each and every week. Hear from newsmakers, Christian leaders, voices you can trust. Join me on The, the House Outlook. wants to introduce, because the, the House Christian is the prosecutor Outlook. here, then the Senate is, is engaging in an unconstitutional and disgusting cover-up. The Senate is on trial as well as the President. And now, your host, Jordan Saculo. And there you go. Senate, uh, House Democrats already alienating the U.S. Senate. And including both, I think, Republican senators who may be on the fence about things like witnesses. People like Susan Collins, Mitt Romney, Lisa Murkowski. And they hear Jerry Nadler say that the Senate is on trial in this impeachment? No, that's not true. It's unfortunate, but it is the president who is on trial. He shouldn't be. There shouldn't be an impeachment. Uh, this is this is totally uh, a hoax and a scam. But we are at the point now where the House managers have been named. But I played that at the beginning of the broadcast because I think you were starting to see fatal, fatal moments already from those chosen by Speaker Pelosi... As we said, she basically had to choose Schiff and Nadler because it would be a show of weakness if not there. The chairs of the two committees who handled the impeachment in the House. It is a show of weakness. It is show. It would have been a show of weakness if they had not. But to attack the U.S. Senate as a body and to say the Senate is on trial is exactly how you turn Susan Collins, Lisa Murkowski, Mitt Romney, and and even some Democrats possibly against you. Because, Than, the Senate is not on trial. The Senate has has the sole power to try the impeachment. They are the triers. They are the jurors, in fact. 
Yeah, nothing like winning uh, friends and influencing people, Jordan. This is the worst possible way to get 20 Republicans to vote along with you to impeach a president. Uh, look, I, I mean, we've talked about it on this broadcast before, Jordan, but the two names that came to mind when I heard the congressman uh, say that were Doug Jones and Joe Manchin. I mean, if Doug Jones and Joe Manchin look at this soberly and seriously as the chairman uh, suggests that they need to so that the Senate won't be on trial, I think those are the two most likely senators to break with their party and actually vote to exonerate the president, Jordan. Again, I mean, there's so much talk about 51. Jordan, how do you get to 67, which is the threshold? Uh, If the accusation from the people prosecuting the case are saying it's you, the jurors who are on trial. Bad mistake, Jordan. Let's also update people. Right now, the president is signing phase one of the China deal. The stock market is, again, over 29000 As the president likes to say, check your 401ks. If they're not 60 70 or 80% better and only 50% better, hey, you should check in with your brokers and who's handling your 401k. Because, they, because again, the stock market is going through the roof as we speak. This is at the same time, same time, folks, that usually if a stock market and the markets thought that there was going to be some kind of instability in our government, would get a little nervous. They're not very nervous about Adam Schiff and Jerry Nadler and the five others named by Nancy Pelosi. And literally the House is about to vote to send the articles over to the Senate in just a matter of moments. But what is the president doing? Governing. Signing trade deals with China to help American businesses. And the Senate is about to sign the U.S. MCA, the replacement for NAFTA, And that will then go to the president. And they've been filling those judicial vacancies as well. So you see the partisanship from those house managers. And I already start to wonder, this is is the best they can do? Is start attacking the U.S. Senate? I mean, you know, prove your case. Make your case. But attacking the Senate? Bad idea. We're taking your phone calls. 1-800-684-3110. Oh, there was a Democrat debate last night. The challenge is the world is getting better each day or worse. Here's Adrian Rogers. The answer is yes. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But God's people, as they get closer to the second coming of Jesus, I believe are getting brighter and brighter. What we need to do, dear friend, is to find out what our posture should be in these last days, not only to survive, but to thrive to be victorious, to get ready to go to heaven, and to take as many as we can with us. Would you like to know how to spot a deceiver, what to prepare for in the last days, how to live a victorious Christian life, and how to take others with you to heaven? Well, you can. Join us as we open the scriptures and discover timeless truths for everyday living on Love Worth Finding with Adrian Rogers. Tune in to Love Worth Finding with Dr. Adrian Rogers. Weekday afternoons at 1 on AM 980, The Mission. Impact Mortgage Corp. DBA Cash Call Mortgage. NMLS ID 128231. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in all states, including New York. Offer not available in Washington. Call 855-657-9910 for licensing terms and restrictions. If you're a homeowner, I've got great news that could save you money. In response to rising home prices, federal housing officials have stepped in to help make mortgages more affordable. Here's how. Some mortgage loans with specific maximum amounts are backed by government agencies, and those borrowers receive lower interest rates because the government insures them. But now the government is expanding the limits of these types of loans by 10 
10% or higher. So what does that mean for you? It means a lot of people with mortgages will now qualify for lower interest rates because of this government expansion, and they don't even know it. So how do you know if you qualify? Easy. Just speak with one of our loan agents and ask if your mortgage now qualifies for a lower interest rate because of expanding loan limits. For a free quote, visit CashCallMortgage.com or call 800-457-6947. That's On the next Lee Michaels Live from the Kingdom Builders Roofing Studios. Well, as we close in on the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, we'll be joined with Scott Fishback from uh, the MCCL, Minnesota Citizens Concerned for Life. And we'll be joined with Dr. Clyde Billington. We continue our series on archaeology that supports the Bible. That and more on the next Lee Michaels Live. Listen to Lee Michaels Live every weekday from 4 to 6 on AM 980 The Mission. Limitless access to encouragement, hope, and God's Word. Listen to AM 980 The Mission with our free app, your smart speaker, or with iHeart. Tune in and radio.com. We live in the Twin Cities and pray worldwide. It smoked for 14 hours. We know you're going to love that pulled pork. 2141 Cliff Road in Egan and at RackShackBarbecue.com. Get that Rack Shack attack, Rack Shack Barbecue, uh-uh. walked over, uh, et cetera. But I'll tell you this. By the time we're on air tomorrow, uh, the USMCA is going to be off the Senate floor. Okay, so you know, I'm getting a lot of questions right now on Facebook. I'm seeing it over and over again. We're going to go through right now. We're going to start going through um, who Nancy Pelosi named to be House managers. I mentioned two of them to you already. Adam Schiff, he's the lead manager. So he's, he's like the head. He's kind of like the Pat Cipollone, White House counsel for the president's team. And then his, his kind of number two deputy or or just kind of different role, judiciary chair. I mean, it's hard to compare this to the, how the president's team is made up because the president's team is made up of attorneys that do work for the White House, the White House Counsel's Office, and Pat Cipollone. That's, I say his name uh, because you're going to see a lot of him for the first time, not just photos, but in actual in action. He's a great attorney. Um, and some of his deputies. And then Jay Sekulow. Um, it's not really like a one-two but uh, but that's how the House has decided to set it up. So chair, so Adam Schiff is the head. And a lot of people are asking him, before I even get into the rest of the list and kind of let you know who these people are, um, Adam Schiff, people say, well, could he be called as a witness if they got to that witness calling stage just because he's a House manager? Then I don't think anything would bar. Now, the rules are not set yet, but if witnesses start getting called, I'm not sure he would be the, the number one priority. There may be others. Um for Republicans who want that witnesses they want to call, uh, but but I don't I'm not sure that anything would bar him from being called as a witness. I'm not I, I just I, I don't I don't want to answer that definitively. The rules may say they can't be because they're now representing. I'm not 100 percent sure, uh, uh, but I do think that you're going to get Adam Schiff will get questioned, and that's the key. He in a sense 
by being one of the attorneys, he has opened himself up then to questioning whether or not he's called as a witness or not. Yeah, no doubt about it. We'll get some of those specifics when that rules package is debated early next week, Jordan. But I do think the question of whether or not he wants to interact with this process is relevant. Again, I mean, I've said it many times, but he declined to submit his own report to the House Judiciary Committee, mainly because he did not want to receive questions. Uh, Jordan, a couple of things, though. Both Leader McConnell and Susan Collins, Lindsey Graham and some others have both said, look, when we get to the point of deciding whether or not witnesses are going to be called, what we are not going to do is what the Democrats did on the House and only what one side call witnesses. So if there are going to be witnesses, if a majority of the Senate decides to do that, which I think is a very open question, but if they do, Jordan, it's not going to be one-sided. They are not going to let House Democrats decide who testifies in the House and then Senate Democrats from the minority decide who testifies in the Senate. That won't happen. Uh, Jordan, as far as uh, Chairman Schiff goes, I do. I will tell you this. During this announcement, one of the things that I noticed the most was how specifically Nancy Pelosi said he is the lead manager. Jordan, that was intended to be received by Cherry, uh, Chairman Jerry Nadler. Yet the second time or maybe the third time that Speaker Pelosi has made it clear that he is not leading on her behalf. Very bizarre opening from Nancy Pelosi. I'll play this. Then we're going to start going through some of the bios. I mean, listen, I wanted to use these broadcasts before things Really get rolling next week. Um, and I'm with you these next few days. I know I may be with you some next week and, and during the trial, but I know I'm with you right now to be able to provide this information to you as a member of the president's legal team. So to get into who are the people you're going to hear from on the house manager's side. Now we know, and they've got, um, unique bios. Some are names you've probably never heard of, depending on where you are from in the country. Um, you've got four or five that are names that you've often hear, I think, in Congress. What was interesting is that there's only seven appointed. There was no limit here. Um, you can appoint, you know, 12, 13, and seven could be the ones who talk. Uh, but, uh, but they've decided to only go with these seven. Uh, and as Stan's, uh, noted, Stan, you think that is because most Democrats didn't want this job to begin with. I don't I don't think Speaker Pelosi's door was getting banged down by people wanting this job, Jordan. I mean, seven is a small number uh, of particular note, too. There are a couple of freshmen on here. I mean, I think yeah. probably most people listening haven't heard of a couple of these names. Jordan, I would tell you I have not had interaction with a couple of the offices of the members listed here, and that, that that's pretty much a rarity. So I don't think there are a lot of people wanting the job. I do think something you said on yesterday's broadcast, though, a couple of people that you know wanted the job, Jordan, they're not on the list. That's not an accident. No, I don't think that that is an accident. They were they're too partisan to go before the the Senate. So, let me play this from Nancy Pelosi. It started off pretty tough for her this morning, um, and I think it's because they they know, as Chris uh, Liza said, they lost this round of trying to hold this and make this, and they've now got the Bernie Sanders people upset. Yeah, there was a Democrat debate last night, as Politico generally said. I think in their their morning uh, uh, read, it was it was that no journalist watched that debate and said, "Wow, I can't believe I get paid to do this job." Um, I mean, Elizabeth Warren had the thing teed up about the, did Bernie Sanders tell you that a woman couldn't become president? She 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 punted on that. She punted on it. He denied it, and she punted on it. So um, again, Warren, Sanders, and Klobuchar starting Tuesday. I think at the latest, they're going to probably have to come back and swear in before that. But by Tuesday, they are literally stuck in Washington. And unless your campaign, maybe Warrens and Sanders do, have got the resources to charter aircraft to get back and forth day, nightly, nightly from Iowa. And maybe you get to come back the morning of, but also with weather. You can't miss these days. You must be in the chamber. 
Uh, you, you cannot have your cell phone there. You cannot be texting or tweeting while this is going on. It's just like kind of like being a juror in a normal trial. So, folks, it's very serious. But this is how things started. It was, it was very bizarre. Bite 61 from Nancy Pelosi. As I've said, it's always been uh, our founders when they started. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary. When Abraham Lincoln fourscore and seven years ago. Thomas Paine, now are the, these are the times that try men's souls, the times have found us. Again and again, even, even our poets, uh, Longfellow, remember, listen my children and you will hear of the midnight ride of Paul Revere on the 18th of April in 75, hardly a man is now alive that remembers that famous day and year. It's always about marking history using time. What? I mean, again, Nancy Pelosi is a very powerful leader and has been a very, I will, I will always say that about her, has been a, 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 a true adversary for, for Republicans and oftentimes has, has carried the day, even in the minority. I mean, so she, you know, she should get her due. But I, I just feel like they're not in this. So I don't know what she's talking about there, the, the, the poetry and we're marking history and we're using time and, I, maybe she's quoting these people correctly. Maybe she's not always quoting these people correctly. You get to Abraham Lincoln to, uh, we're talking about Paul Revere and, and, and poets. It is just bizarre. And then, okay, so, but we actually get to substance. And as we go into this break, these are the house managers. There are seven. We'll go through more in detail. Even some things you may not know about Adam Schiff, uh, for instance, his background. Uh, just so you know who's going to be making the case. So you've got Adam Schiff. He is the chairman of the House uh, Permanent Select Committee on Intelligence. Uh, Jerry Nadler, he's the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. Uh, Zoe Lofgren of California, she chairs the Committee on House Administration. Uh, Hakeem Jeffries, he is the fourth-ranking Democrat in the House of Representatives. He's the um, a House Democrat, head of the chair of the House Democrat Caucus. Uh, Chairwoman Val Demings of Florida, not an attorney from our research, but was the Orlando police officer for over two decades and the Orlando uh, chief of police um, and the first female Orlando chief of police, so a congresswoman from Florida. Congressman Jason Crow of Colorado, who is a, um, I think he's a, f- a freshman, I, be- I believe he's a freshman. Um, he was in the military, um, an army ranger, but then an attorney. Not seen him or heard much from him in all of this. Uh, so that again, that's, you're starting to get to people who, again, you may never not have heard from. And then uh, Congresswoman Sylvia Garcia, a freshman as well, and she was a, I think she was a a judge, Harris County Commissioner's Court, um, and then a uh, presiding judge over the Houston Municipal System, then City Controller in Houston, now a member, and she's on the House Judiciary Committee. But again, not not leadership roles and not the people that you always see out on television. I think there's a reason behind that too as well. We'll get back to that. We'll get a little bit more into the details. We'll start taking your phone calls as well. 1-800-684-3110. 1-800-684-3110. Did any of you watch the Democrat debate last night? I'd like to know that. Only one is... I'm Jan Markill, helping you understand the times. Are you the Messiah? I am here to bring about the world to come. And so the show concentrates on the question, who is this man? Is your world good? Is it evil? What you see will be your choosing. Netflix is producing one offensive production after another, but perhaps the Messiah takes the cake. 
because the star of the program appears more like the Antichrist than anything sacred. This political thriller series is following a man who suddenly appears in Syria, claiming to have been sent by his father for a mission. It's time for Christians to unplug from Netflix. They delight in offending us and coming up with one evil production after another while the public pays for it. It's time to say enough. For more information, listen to our weekend program on this station or anytime at olivetreeviews.org. This is Albert Moeller for townhall.com. Late last year, the campus newspaper at Yale, the Yale Daily News, published an article highlighting the astounding lack of worldview diversity on America's college campuses today. Under the headline, Faculty Call for Ideological Diversity, the reporters highlighted four professors who made it clear. Yale stifles political discourse. In other respects, Yale's made a push for demographic diversity, race, gender, sexual orientation, and the like. But when it comes to political diversity, there's virtually none. The numbers for universities in the Northeast are particularly startling. The ratio of liberal professors to conservatives is at least 28 to 1, according to the story. Perhaps the strangest element in all of this is that conservative and Christian parents continue to fight so hard to get their children into schools where the faculty is determined to undermine everything those parents believe and have taught their children. I'm Albert Moeller. Publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu Debbie on Facebook writes, I'm afraid this won't be over with acquittal. The Dems just won't stop. Uh, Let me make one thing clear. The president will not be removed from office. The the articles will be dismissed. It's an acquittal. You're not not impeached. Uh, The the impeachment, um, uh, you may be impeached by the House, but when it was on trial. So this whole thing that Nancy Pelosi talks about, you're lifelong impeached. You you know, if you get... um, indicted for a crime and found not guilty you, you, lifelong indicted doesn't i mean i know she's trying to use it for political sense but but it doesn't matter they're the ones who have failed and i think uh, again as nancy pelosi she keeps doubling down on that bite 64 take a listen president is not above the law he will be held accountable he has been held accountable he has been impeached he's been impeached forever they can never erase that and actually, you can, because if if you move forward in the Senate and dismiss the articles ultimately, and side with the president, or or at least you're siding against the House, even if you're not technically siding with the president, you're siding that the House has not made their case to remove a president from office, as has been the case in both previous impeachments of, of presidents. Um, yes, history will remember the trial. History will remember. The politics. But I will tell you, Than, history looks back on those who tried to do this, and in Republicans in the case of, of Bill Clinton, and actually history looks back poorly on them, and not so poorly on Bill Clinton in that, in that situation. Well, and there were political consequences to pay for that, and there were Serious criminal ones. statutes in play. Yeah, I mean, look, I know this is not a court of law in a criminal sense, Jordan, but the, the principles of innocent until proven guilty uh, still have to apply. I mean, impeached forever, yeah, unless you're exonerated. If you're exonerated, uh, then you are innocent forever, you know, and unless there's an, another intervening uh, proceeding. Look, Nancy Pelosi is trying to have it both ways, Jordan. I mean, both in a constitutional sense and in a conviction sense. But here's what it tells me. 
She knows he's going to be exonerated. So she has to take the fallback position of what we've already done is going to last forever. Uh, look, Jordan, the ultimate say is going to happen at the ballot box in November. And I'm pretty sure that Speaker Pelosi's position is not going to prevail. Yeah, I mean, we're going to start taking your phone calls, but let me walk through. OK, so we got Adam Schiff. Um, he is the lead house manager, so he probably will open up the uh, trial. They they get to go first, not the president's team, but they get to go first. So he would be the opening speaker. He'd go for, we don't know how many hours. In the, in the Clinton matter, it was 24 hours each side. That was about three days each side. This matter could be cut down a little bit um, uh, because it's just not as, uh, there wasn't as much detail that the House gave. Truth truth be told, the House doesn't isn't bringing a lot with it. Um, so do they need really 24 hours? Could it be 12 instead aside a couple of days? That would be more like two days. But he'd, he'd likely open it. Now, he is a former, uh, again, assistant U.S. attorney. Um, so, uh, or, or, yeah, assistant U.S. attorney. So he's been a prosecutor before. Um, his most famous prosecution was against Richard Miller, a former FBI agent who was convicted of spying for the Soviet Union. It was interesting. The first time he tried him, it was a hung jury. The second trial resulted in a conviction that got overturned. And then Miller got convicted on a third trial. Um, Schiff uh, represents now a district um, 27. That's basically Hollywood. Um, and uh, again, you know, it's large parts of Los Angeles, but Hollywood, Hollywood Hills, West Hollywood. If you're from, we have a lot of California listeners, Echo Park, Silver Lake and Los Feliz. Um, uh, and so he's got, I mean, he is, he is the Hollywood congressman. I mean, it's interesting, uh, but there was a redistrict that redistricting put him in that spot. Uh, he is also, again, I think the, the, the number one thing to point out is that he's the chair of the House Intel Committee. He's been at the heart of this whole matter. His team met with the whistleblower before the whistleblower filed the report, and he lied about that. He also lied about the transcript when he made up his own transcript. And, surprise, surprise, he loves screenwriting. No wonder he made up his own transcript. He's also an avid uh, writing screenplays on the side for years. Murder, mystery, spy dramas. He also happens to be a vegan, so you know. Now you know even about his diet. Um, that's Adam Schiff. Uh, so you thought you knew a lot about Adam Schiff. Now you know too much. Uh, Jerry Nadler, what's interesting is he's been around a long time in Congress, in the House specifically. And Than, he's been there, um, again, from New York uh, and representing parts of New York City and Manhattan. Um, he he was uh, someone, uh, you know, he's an attorney as well. But he also, uh, he's the chair of the Judiciary Committee, House Judiciary Committee. And he was there under Clinton arguing against all, all the Clinton impeachment. Yeah, 15 terms in Congress, Jordan. The most significant thing to me about him is this should be his job. I mean, he should be the lead manager, yeah. the one prosecuting the case. He should have been the one to shepherd it from beginning to end. He got took off the case early on. Uh, he was very upset about that. The reporting was wide uh, and far that behind the scenes. He was really angry with the speaker about that. You could tell he was upset at today's press conference as well, uh, that Chairman Schiff had been named the lead manager. So I do think these are these are probably the two that you will see and hear the most from. Uh, but the most significant thing about Jerry Nadler, Jordan, is that he's in the number two place, not the number one place. And I would just reiterate the most important thing about Chairman Schiff. You mentioned it, but Jordan, uh, he's the one that, you know, uh, he, he lied on one side or the other, but he's the only one that, that knows firsthand, most likely, the identity uh, of the whistleblower. So when it comes to questions of those prosecuting the case, I would sure think that that would be one of the ones asked of him. All right, so th there you go. I mean, he's also, what's interesting about Jerry Nadler, he, and because Fies is certainly going to come up in this, um, he was unhappy with the pa passage of the Surveillance Reform Compromise Bill, the FISA, the 
Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act Amendments Act of 2008, saying it, quote, abandons the Constitution's protections and insulates lawless behavior from legal scrutiny. So there you go with him. Next up is Hakeem uh, Jeffries. He, again, he is a number four in the House leadership. Uh, he is a uh, he is the chairman of the House uh, Democrat Caucus. That's the fourth-ranking Democrat. He was a corporate attorney uh, before uh, uh, getting involved with Congress, so he ha- has a legal background as well. Um, and so, again, it, it, I think you know, with his notes, again, being chair of the House Democrat Caucus, coming from that corporate legal background. Congresswoman Val Demings. Again, she's the only one that doesn't like has a law degree. If she did get a law degree, it was sometime in between being a police officer and becoming chief of police, which you don't need need a law degree to be in Orlando. But she was a police officer for a couple of decades, and uh, and also chief of police in Orlando. Uh, um, again, so I, I, she will play a unique role because she's not. I guess won't be making the le- as much of the legal case. Um, but again, you don't have to be because it's not a normal court of law. You don't have to be a lawyer. Um, and I think people from central Florida will be very familiar with her. Even if you're not as familiar with her, um, around the country, she was elected in 2016. Uh, she's on the judiciary committee. So you may have seen her some throughout, uh, the, the hearings that took place in the house. Um, then you've got Zoe Lofgren. Now she's been around since 1994, uh, very much involved with like Silicon Valley stuff, tech stuff. She served on the House Judiciary during the Clinton impeachment. She was even a staffer in the House Judiciary Committee on, uh, for Congressman Edwards, Don Edwards, on the impeachment of President Nixon. So she's been there for all, th- now will be there for all three. This time she's taking a role. Um, she's the chair of the Committee on House Administration. Fan, briefly, and we'll get to the last couple when we come back from the break and the second half hour of the show. It's Jason Crow, who just got elected, and Silvia Garcia, who just got elected in the last term. But... What does the House Administration uh, Committee do? Yeah, they work on on the, on the rules of the House, and then also just uh, for employees. It's like kind of like the HR of the House, Jordan. I would I would put it that way. All right. So the other two, again, we will get to second half hour of the broadcast. But they are, if you if you don't get that second half hour, Jason Crow from Colorado, and uh, and again uh, Sylvia Garcia of Texas. And I don't want you to forget during all of this that at the ACLJ, all of our attorneys are at work doing their. The work of the Americans Air for Law and Justice, which you can find at ACLJ.org. And if you want to support the work of the ACLJ, donate online, ACLJ.org. Don't forget that. Today's Secular Live is sponsored by the American Center for Law and Justice. AM 980 The Mission, a voice for the local church since 1996. Limitless access to encouragement, hope, and God's Word. Listen to AM 980 The Mission with our free app, your smart speaker, or with iHeart. Tune in and radio.com. We live in the Twin Cities and pray worldwide. If you desire to ignite a deep, authentic, and personal relationship with Jesus that's empowered by the Holy Spirit, simply tune in to Intimacy with Jesus with Pastor David Graham. Weekday mornings at 8.30 on AM 980 The Mission. Listen to The Christian Worldview with David Wheaton every Saturday morning at 8 on AM 980 The Mission. The Twin Cities Christian Voice. Jim Daly is on the air with Focus on the Family next here on AM 980 The Mission, and we are on Facebook. A cool way to keep up with some positive Christian news, stories that uplift you, stuff that you need to know that's going on in and around the Twin Cities. We're also live streaming Lee Michaels Live Afternoons from 4 to 6. You'll find that on our Facebook page, too. We share encouraging messages and Bible verses, too. Just search for AM 980 The Mission on Facebook, and if you would, click that like button. 
from Focus on the Family's Hope Restored Marriage Intensive. We've helped thousands of couples who thought that their marriage was over. Find out which program is right for you at hoperestored.com. This is John Fuller from Focus on the Family, and thanks for listening today on AM 980 The Mission. Lisa Turkhurst was our guest last time on Focus on the Family, and she shared about a devastating blow to her marriage. And I was spinning. I don't even know. It's like I couldn't even gather up my thoughts. I felt like my thoughts spun out of my head in a million different directions, and nobody teaches you how to handle that moment. Well, Lisa is back with us today, and your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller, and we're going to hear more about how you can better cope with disappointing, even overwhelming circumstances in your life. Uh, John, last time we started a powerful discussion on what to do when we're faced with disappointment, uh, like infidelity or a physical issue, whatever it might be. Uh, We all experience pain, some more than others, uh, but the Bible says that God makes his sun rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. So no one is exempt from suffering in this fallen world. Uh, Lisa Turkers began sharing her story with us last time, where after 25 years of marriage, she and her husband, Art, hit a wall after he had an affair. At the time we recorded with her, uh, she and Art were still working through that, and then a serious medical issue followed. Uh, By God's grace, Lisa and Art have uh, renewed their wedding vows and are doing better, and we thank God for that. Mm -hmm. I know uh, that what Lisa will share today is going to help many of you, and I'm looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. Lisa is certainly an encourager, and she's the president of Proverbs 31 Ministries, a very popular speaker and blogger, and has written a number of great books. The one we're really dialing into today is called It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. And we have copies of that and CDs and downloads of our conversation uh, from last time and today, all at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash broadcast. Let's go ahead and hear the second part of this great conversation on Focus on the Family. Lisa, welcome back to the program. Thank you. As I'm becoming more familiar with your story, I mean, this is a downward spiral. I mean, you've gone through the marital issues As we left off last time, uh, you were having pain in your abdomen. Uh, Your family took you to the ER. The doctor says you have a twisted colon. It's in serious condition. Pick the story up right there. What was the further diagnosis? What happened? And where do we go? Well, I'd been going through a lot of emotional trauma in our story, um, and I think it's important for the listeners to understand it wasn't like I discovered what was happening with my husband and then there was a quick turnaround. There wasn't. Um, It's been years of ups and downs and uncertainties. And so in the middle of those uncertainties where I had no idea how the story of my marriage would end, I woke up in excruciating pain. My family rushed me to the hospital. They could not figure out what was wrong with me. They ran so many tests. And they said, we're going to admit you to the hospital because um, you're in so much pain. We want to help you manage the pain. But we really cannot find anything wrong with you. And so then my mind goes off in a million directions. Like, am I making this up? Is this emotional pain? translating out to physical pain, but I knew something was wrong with me. So I laid in that hospital bed on a morphine pump, and the morphine pump wasn't even taking the edge off the pain. I was literally just weeping and writhing in pain Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday 
finally on Friday morning, a surgeon came in and um, the surgeon said, we're going to run one last test. Now, let me tell you what was going through my heart and really through my soul spiritually. At this point, this was a real breaking point in my relationship with the Lord, because I thought to myself, why, God, why would you add this physical pain on top of so much emotional pain on top of so much hurt and anxiety that I've already been walking through, not knowing how things were going to be in my marriage. And it was just really, really, really hard. And I started to develop this thought in my brain, God, you can fix anything. So why in the world won't you fix this? So now it's abandonment. And so now I feel almost abandoned by God. And so the surgeon goes and runs one last test, comes back in my room and said, Lisa, I finally know what's going on with you. He explained that the right side of my colon had torn away from the abdominal wall, wrapped around the left side of my colon, cutting off the blood flow. And he said, your colon has distended four centimeters past where it should have ruptured. And if it had ruptured, your body would turn septic and you would die. So we have to rush you into surgery right away. We're going to have to remove most of your colon. And I'm not sure if you'll make it through the surgery. And my um, goodness. So I did make it through the surgery, and the um, the surgeon came back in my room several days later, and he said, you do realize that as much as you were begging us to take away the pain, and I translated in my head as much as I was begging God to take away the pain, sure. um, the surgeon said, Lisa, it's actually the pain that saved your life, because... Had the pain gone away on Monday, you would have gone home, your colon would have ruptured, your body would have turned septic, and you would have died. And you wouldn't have felt anything. You would have just gone to sleep, and you would have passed away. And he said it was the pain that actually saved your life. And now I have a completely different view of God. Now I picture that it took every bit of holy restraint for God to not answer my prayer and take away that pain because... God loves us too much to answer our prayers at any other time than the right time and in any other way than the right way. Remember, I was talking, Jim, like when we're going through something really hard and horrific and we look at the landscape of our life and we only see the hard and horrific, we have to remind ourselves, even if I can't see God right now, I can trust and know simultaneously he is working and he is working for good. And so this was one of those times I got to glimpse God's story being woven into my story. Yes, my physical reality was very bleak. My husband was not sure that he wanted to stay married to me. Uh, We were going to counseling, but it didn't seem like it was working. I am now laid up in the hospital having had most of my colon removed. I am devastated emotionally, physically, and at moments spiritually as well. So the physical reality of what I saw was not very good. Mm-hmm. But ah, the spiritual component of recognizing God loved me too much to take away my physical pain, he used that physical pain to save my life, that helped me so much physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And you know, that's where some people, they get to that point where there's nothing left in the tank. And then in some ways, your heart begins to open up. I mean, like you said, the Lord spoke that pain analogy into your heart. You had that observation. In some ways, that gives you hope, right? That's the moment that hope sparks. Yeah, and I also I had that conversation that I mentioned on the last broadcast about um, God telling me 
just a few weeks before I found out my marriage was falling apart in at the end of a 28-day time of praying and fasting, the Lord spoke so clearly to my heart and said, trust my timing and love your husband. I had that to cling to. And, you know, sometimes when we can't understand what's right in front of us, sometimes we have to go back to a moment in our life where we know we had really strong faith and we heard clearly from the Lord and almost grab that past faith, bring it into your present situation and cling to the last time you clearly heard the Lord encourage you or help you so that it can strengthen you in that moment. But Jim, I was just at the point where almost I was just saying to God, you know, it's okay if you want to take my life because honestly, at this point, it would be a relief. Yeah. I mean, and that's despair. I mean, that's where you're at the bottom and you can be a believer, you can be a non-believer. That's just the human condition where you, you get to the end of your rope. You speak in the book about the counseling, and you referenced it there a moment ago, about you and Art fighting through the difficulties, not knowing where this would end up, not really seeing counseling having an impact. I believe uh, you talked about your counselor giving you uh, his purple heart yes. to take. Fill that in for me. Why did that make such a profound impact on you? And what was his point in doing it? Well, um, we were at the point in our counseling where we had spent so many hours with the counselor, and I thought we were at the end of our journey. How much time was this? um, This was over 75 hours worth of counseling at this point. Over a year or two years? Um, Yeah, for the better part of a year. Okay. And I really thought at that point that we were almost ready to graduate from our counseling. Um, My hope was that we would renew our vows. This would become this beautiful, amazing story. And I was already running ahead, writing the redemption story. So that's where my heart was. But I think our counselor in one of the last sessions that we were with him during that year, I think he sensed that we weren't coming out of the battle. We were just heading into it. And so he went over to his wall. He pulled the framed picture off the wall. He tore the back off. He reached inside and pulled out a purple heart. Um, And it was given to his family because his brother-in-law was killed in the line of duty. And um, he took it out of the frame and he placed it in my hand. And he said, Lisa, if God were giving out purple hearts today, he would surely pin one on your chest. And he said, "Um, I want you to take this and I want you to carry it with you so that when the battle gets really intense, you can remember Genesis fifty twenty that what others meant for evil, this will be used for good for the saving of many lives. Oh. And he said, you know, you have been wounded in this battle, but you've demonstrated courage and God sees your courage up to this point, but he needs you to have courage to keep going. And so I walked out of the counselor office that day holding his purple heart, and I kept it for two years. Oh. I just returned it just in the last couple of weeks. But what I couldn't have known at that point is that um, leaving that counseling session, I would discover what I thought had ended and that the healing had begun. That was not the case. I made another discovery, and the second round was so much more fierce than the first round. Mm. Same situation, same same topic, affair. Mm -hmm. Wow. There would be a natural inclination to say, turn him over, give up. 
what kept you from doing that? Well, you know, I, I continued to have hope that what I had said to my husband the very first day that I discovered something was going on um, was, this isn't who you are. I continued to cling to that because um, Art is a great man. He is. Um, but he got caught up in some things that um, blinded him. And I had days where I was angry. Please don't mistake in that. But there were other days where I could see he was in the battle of his life. And so instead of anger, I could have great compassion, not on what he was doing, but I could have great compassion on the hurt that had to be underneath this to cause such an amazing man to walk out choices that I never, ever thought he would make. And so there were enough moments where the Lord would give me a glimpse of art in the middle of a battlefield that was just fierce and horrible, and he was getting so beaten up. And so I could see, again, the story behind the story. And no man does this to his family without there being such significant hurt underneath. And so I could have compassion for the hurt. But there did reach a point where I had to draw a line, finally. And it was in June of 2017 where I finally just had to draw a line. And I just said, I can love you. um, I can forgive you. But I cannot share you. And I posted on my blog that day that, unfortunately, we'd reached a place where it was no longer going to be possible for me to continue the journey as it was. And I asked people to please pray for Art. And I have to say, I thought that blog would unleash a fury of people coming against me because that was my fear in that moment. And there were some vocal people that came against me, but... A bigger part of what happened is it unleashed an army of prayer warriors. And when I asked for people to pray for me and I asked for people to pray for Art, that's exactly what happened. Now, I will say there are some friends of ours that think that that's the worst thing that I could have ever done. But if Art were here today, he would boldly say, me posting that blog was the best thing that ever happened to him because it finally made him face his issues and go and get real help. Wow. And that is the goal, right, for healing. It's just how long will our patience endure mm. and how long can we stick with whatever it might be in ourselves or in our spouses or in our children, our prodigal children. That's fit right. Fit this pattern as well. Yeah, and if you're finding that you are uh, feeling alone in that kind of a difficult moment, uh, please let us offer some counseling, um, some encouragement for maybe uh, just one more step toward the Lord and in this journey. Uh, We have caring Christian counselors here, and it would be a privilege for us to schedule a time for you to talk to them. Uh, Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459. Uh, and Jim, I'm thinking about our Hope Restored outreach right now. They're, it's a lifeline to couples that are right where uh, Art and Lisa were. It is. And, uh, you know, it's a wonderful, intensive program where you go for four days is the most typical experience. And these are people who have, in many cases, signed divorce papers. And this is the last-ditch effort. And I'm proud to say that post-two-year survey work that we do with those who go, they're married and doing better. I mean, that is fantastic. And I would encourage you if you're in that spot where your marriage is suffering to that degree, risk it 
do one more thing. Here's the question they're going to ask you, and I'll, I'll share it publicly. Do you believe God can work a miracle in your marriage? Mm-hmm. They have found that to be the most effective question as to whether or not a couple can pull up and actually make it. You have to have an open heart. Even though my spouse did this to me or wounded me, I do believe God can do a miracle in our marriage. If you have that hope, you have enough to make it. So that that is really an important step. And if you're in that position, call us. We have had thousands of couples go through that program. And again, we're here for you. Uh, Lisa, let me turn to the next phase. I mean, it's not over yet for you. Mm-hmm. And again, when I look at this, I have sympathy for you. My heart breaks for you. You're going through this with art. You have this you know, near-death experience with your surgery. And now you get a diagnosis you know, with time there, I, I don't know the timeline, but the third big fastball that the Lord is throwing you, to use a baseball analogy, is a diagnosis of breast cancer. Mm-hmm. So what's left in you to say, okay, Lord, I can do this. I can fight this. Seriously? Yeah. At first, I did have uh, some of those feelings. Um and what's funny, though, is I didn't say, seriously, God, you're going to do this to me, too. I, that's not the way I phrased it. The way I phrased it is, Lord, do you know how many people are going to be so upset when they hear now that I have breast cancer? This is not going to make you look good, God. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a negotiation tactic. <laughs> and so I'm not saying that was right that I said that. But, um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm hearing you. I just, I just remember thinking, like, how am I going to tell my parents this? How am I going to tell my kids this? How am I going to tell my friends who have loved me through this um, season of my life now this, you know, but um, something back to what you said just a minute ago, Jim, about asking those couples, you know, do you believe that God can work a miracle? I'm so glad you said that because it reminded me of what I kept saying to people who encouraged me to give up. And there were a lot of people that encouraged me to give up. I kept saying, I've got to make sure that I have left room for God to do a miracle. And that's such a tough place because you want to see the Lord honored. That's right. In your pain. That's right. That you can stick with this marriage, even though it is going from bad to worse. That's right. And to have friends, it is like Job, to have friends come to you. Let me ask you this about what you learned through that experience with your friends saying to you, do the right thing, be done with it. What motivation do they have for that? Why are they are they looking out for your best interest? Are they trying to rationalize? Well, of course, you know, I mean, I think some of their motivation and let me clearly state, too, I had lots of friends who said, Lisa, I will walk this out with you no matter how hard it gets, no matter how deep it gets. And they encouraged me that they believed God could work a miracle. And that was a gift to me. But then there were some who had pretty strong opinions in the other way. But, you know, where does it come from? I don't know. Everybody has their own experiences. Everybody has their own secrets they're hiding. Everybody has their own dynamics in their life. So, I mean, how can we possibly figure out the motivations of their heart? What I knew that I had to do was listen to those people who I knew were praying more words for me than they were speaking about me or to me. And the Lord made it really clear. I could really sense when I was talking to people how much they had really prayed for me. And if they had prayed a lot, I knew they were listening to the Lord. And so those were people I kept very, very close. 
But, you know, when I was saying um, we've got to leave room for a miracle, I could see evidence even in the midst of my breast cancer of such a miracle. So remember when I said, you know, life kind of imploded for Art and I in February of 2016. So now this is June of 2017 that I discover that, you know, he had not ended the affair. I thought he had. So that's very painful going through all that oh, counseling yeah. and then the affair had not ended. So that's when I posted the blog. And when I posted the blog, Art went off to treatment and he did it himself. And I was very thankful for that. But I decided to take a season off. So I took a good long season off. And I'm such a high achieving person that I could only sit sad for so long, right? So then I decided, well, I'm just going to make all the doctor appointments that I don't have time to do. One of those appointments that I made was a mammogram appointment. I would not have made it right then if I wouldn't have been in this, you know, season of taking time off. And I never, with my breast cancer, I never had a lump. I never had any physical indication at all. Mine was a flat line. And they discovered it from that mammogram. And they were able to diagnose me so early that I was able to have a double mastectomy. And I didn't have to have chemo. I didn't have to have radiation. They caught it very early. And so leave room for God to work a miracle. I thought the miracle would be, okay, God, now you're going to miraculously fix everything in the marriage. And he's like, nope, actually, I'm going to save your life again by making sure you have a season of slow where you get your breast cancer detected and we get that taken care of. And that in and of itself is going to be a miracle right then. And so you see, we can't, we have to be so careful that we don't run ahead of God and write the story. We have to let our story unfold and look for the hand of God in the midst. And that's one of the themes that comes out strongly in the book is this idea of slow and the virtue, if I could say it that way, the virtue of slowness. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you learned to go slow with God and, and the beauty of that? Well, because when you're in a situation like mine, you really don't have a choice any other way. He slows you down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's it's hard. You know, it's hard to plan for the future when today still feels a bit uncertain. It's hard to dream big dreams for a year down the road or two years down the road. And, you know, when you're not even really sure what tomorrow is going to look like, you know, Art and I have not lived together through the wise counsel of really smart people helping us through this who know what they're doing. We haven't lived together in two years. And I can tell you those are the hardest times when I go home at night and this season of being an empty nester. You know, I went from having five kids and the house being so full to now everyone's left home and even my husband's not there. And so it's a daunting daily reality. So you have to go slow so that you can catch your breath and remind yourself tomorrow's a new day. There's still hope. It feels like you've lived a modern day version of Job. Mm -hmm. I mean, it really does. Um, You're the poster person. Why do you think God has said, you're my girl? I'm going to do this through you. I mean, why? I have no idea. You know, I end the book telling an allegory where I've cried out to God asking the why question so much. And surprisingly, God hasn't scolded me for asking why. I don't think he ever does, actually. Yeah. Instead, he has helped me see that my why questions, all those whys, have actually made me wise, (laughs) W-I-S-E. 
And that's how the book ends. I feel like the Lord has said to me, Lisa, you'll never understand why some of the facts of what happened to you happened. You'll never understand that on this side of eternity. But that's important. Yeah. But you'll find your answers for purpose for the pain in the eyes of other people who would drown in their own sorrow if not seeing that it is possible that you survive, so so will they. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? That right there. That's what testimonies are. And to give people a glimpse that our God is good. And even more importantly than that, our God is good at being God. And no human should have to carry the weight of trying to be their own God and figure out why do we all have bad stuff that happens to us in our life? No human should have to carry that weight, but so many people do. And so I feel like if I can report having freshly licked the floor of hell (laughs) Mm. and I can still give a report that our God is good and our God is good at being God. And if I can say that, maybe people can find that same hope in their story. Well, Lisa, you have said it. And again, that vulnerability has been refreshing, maybe even a little unsettling because we're not used to it. But I do think this is the early church on display. They were out there. You knew everything about your neighbor. And there are people who are hurting right now. I mean, I can feel it. I know that there is pain. That's what life is to a degree. And you give people hope that they can lean into God, not away from God. Lisa, thank you so much. And, you know, again, I just love um, your actions. They demonstrate that you're a child of the Most High God. Thank you for being there and living it out. We so appreciate it. Thank you. Once again, uh, what a conversation with Lisa Turkhurst, and we hope you've been encouraged by what she shared today on Focus on the Family. And uh, we're so glad that since we first recorded this broadcast, Lisa and her husband Art have renewed their wedding vows, and so they're stronger together, and she's also cancer-free. What a courageous woman, and we are so thankful that Lisa has chosen to follow God and trust him even in these uh, terrible circumstances. Uh, Please know that Focus on the Family has caring Christian counselors here, and you can call us to schedule an appointment by phone. It costs you nothing. We're doing this because others take care of the expense of being there for you. Uh, We'll also encourage you to get a copy of Lisa's wonderful book, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. And if I could encourage you, uh, become a monthly supporter. I know that's how Gene and I give to Focus. Uh, John and Dina do that. And if you can become that monthly supporter, uh, we'll send you a copy of the book as our way of saying thank you. If you're unable to do that, I get it. Um, But if you can make a one-time gift, we'll still send you a copy of the book to say thank you. So either way, participate with us in ministry. That's what we're doing here. We're trying to help others, and we need you to be there with us to do that. And remember that your financial gifts make a difference in marriages, uh, in the lives of struggling individuals, to equip parents. So make that donation today when you call 800, the letter A and the word family, 800-232-6459, 
or at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. And finally, if your marriage is struggling, seriously struggling, I want to encourage you to sign up for our Hope Restored Marriage Intensive Counseling Program. This is that program that you've lost the ability to believe that uh, this is going to work. We want to save your marriage, and we know the Lord can do it. Yeah, miracles happen at that Hope Restored uh, Marriage Intensive. We have several locations, and if you need that, call us today and let us tell you more. Again, our number, 800, the letter A in the word family. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks so much for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. Get your daily dose of family-strengthening encouragement anytime, anywhere with the new Focus on the Family broadcast app, featuring exclusive content and offline listening. Get it today at Google Play or the App Store. Focus on the Family is sponsored by Focus on the Family Ministries. Once more, we turn to your verse of the day here on AM980. The mission comes from BibleStudyTools.com, which you can still head to and start your Bible in a Year reading program. They've got that laid out for you. Verse today, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. 